Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Oh, the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith in Los Angeles. My main man, Lang Whitaker in New York. Yo. We're going by coastal today, Lang. And as if there wasn't enough energy and news surrounding the basketball world at the NBA level, college basketball is on fire right now. Yep. But, you know, the, the greatest NBA summer of all time leads us into the greatest fall in basketball of all time. And who better to join us to talk about it than our main man, David Aldridge, the Hall of Famer. DA, how are you, my man? And, and uh, how, do you, how do you wake up and figure these headlines every day that are all over the basketball world, linking basketball from the grassroots all the way up to the top, potentially. Man, it is, it is, it is amazing. Well, it's, actually, I should say, it's not amazing, but it's always surprising when somebody kind of pulls the veil and, and lets you see what's really going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you all have heard the last 48 hours. I've heard so many stories. Oh, man, you don't even know. That's the tip of the iceberg. You don't even know what else is going to come down. So it is it it is fascinating to me to I guess watch the sausage actually being made to see what happens yeah. what really goes on in college basketball and um, it's uh, it's unfortunate because there's some guys we all know a lot of guys in college basketball a lot of coaches you know administrators and there's a lot of good people in college basketball but you know and I know that if you're involved in big time power six college basketball. You know, you you got to do you got to do some things. You know, and yeah. um, it's always sad when it's somebody you know and that you like, and then and there's a few people here that that I know are are either involved already or going to be involved that that I know and like, and that's the sad thing because you know at the bottom bottom line is that they have families that they're trying to take care of, and that's going to be harder for them to do going forward. Yeah, pe- people's lives are going to get torn up. I've actually been spending a lot of time with DA the last few weeks in uh nba 2k and because uh, <laughs> every time you play a new game da pops up at the beginning of the game with the report from the sideline i was wondering da you have two sons they're about the age of probably kids who are, who are totally into video games do they skip over your reports or do they sit and watch the whole thing each game they do no no they watch they watch them so i was surprised too lang i thought they would be like ah, oh man <laughs> but it's all part of the uh, not well, I don't know if lose is the word, but the world that you get into when you play the video game, they are yep. totally immersed in it, and so I'm part of that world. It's fascinating to me to have teenage kids come up to me and 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 players too say, you know, I saw yeah. you in 2K. I say it's just so different because that's just not what I do. I am not a video game guy, never really <laughs> have been, and so for people, I, I'm just fascinated that. So many people really are serious about it and spend hours every day playing yeah. it, and it's oh, yeah. it's it's different to me. But you know, I love it. I love that people are into it like that because that's the goal of the guys that make the games. 
Yeah. Hey, well, look, two you, things. You're off. gonna be hot two, in these teenage streets, DA. I'm telling you. <laughs> two, two things off of that. Look, Seku and I are in the game too because we were as the media members who like critique your performance, and I, I'm right. sure you're the same, Seku. I get tweets from people all the time who're like, "Man, I can't believe you said that about my game." You know, and I I didn't really say it. The computer just generated it. <laughs> so, so I always just respond. I just respond to them. You deserved it no matter what it was. <laughs> but the other thing I've learned, I, I was telling our producer, John, about this before you guys dialed in. I've been spending a lot of time with the 2017-18 Atlanta Hawks, and, ooh, it's going to be bad. Yeah, it's going to be what? bad. <laughs> They're going to be as bad on the court as they are virtually. It's like, stay yeah. away from it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to no, be I, good. <laughs> I listen, I get it in the flesh. I got a 14-year-old, and his, him and his boys, I can hear him upstairs yelling at the TV when they're playing. Like, why your dad yep. say that about me? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, I didn't say it. I didn't say anything. I don't even know how to turn the Xbox or the PS4 on. I'm so far out of the video game realm. I wouldn't know where the power button was. I mean, I like the real stuff, personally. I like the real game. Um, speaking of the real game, DA, we took a, a look at the Western Conference last week the migration of talent that, that exited the East for the West. This week we're, right. we're look, taking a hard look at the East. And the, at the very top, obviously, you know, the Cavaliers and Celtics have done the unthinkable, swapping, you know, star players in, in a summer deal. Kyrie Irving going to Boston, obviously, and the Cavs getting Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and, uh, you know, other assets in a deal. In all the years you've covered the league, is that one of the strangest trades you've seen? I mean, I, I know the Gasol brothers got traded for each other, which <laughs> you know, which would go down as odd. But this one seems—I mean, it's something I've never even fathomed. You would see two teams that most recently competed for the right to play for a championship swapping star point guards. It, it, it is, you know, it is odd. No question about it. You know, considering. The um, not only last year, but you know, going forward, even if they hadn't, if they hadn't made the trade, you know, I think all of us would say, "Who's going to meet in the finals again in the, in the East?" And you would say, "Cleveland and Boston." You know, I mean, I think we all feel like those are the two best teams in the conference, um, and would have been the it would have been that way if they hadn't done it. But the fact that they wound up doing it adds even more intrigue to it. So yeah, no, it, it was odd, but I think it speaks to a couple of things, you know. The LeBron factor with Cleveland, I think, was, you know, the overriding reason why they made this trade is the uncertainty they have about LeBron and what, what's going to happen if he, you know, if he walks. Um, and they had to kind of prepare themselves for that. And the best way for them to do that was to make sure they had a, a lottery pick in the draft next year, which they now have. So, um, you know, whether he stays or goes, at least they can – pick somebody that they can start to build around again if he, if he walks. So um, that's, that's what drove them to do it. And um, I think, you know, from Boston's standpoint, you know, they can, you know, they can say they didn't know or they, they have no worries about Isaiah Thomas, but I think it's clear that they didn't know that Isaiah, if Isaiah was going to be able to get past his hip. And they certainly didn't want to pay him uh, with yeah. what they would have had to pay him. Uh, as a free agent. So from that standpoint, I think that's what was driving that. I mean, I, the thing that stood out to me about Boston, DA, and I, I, I was writing the, the Celtics preview for, for NBA.com the other day, and I was looking yeah. at their depth. Once you get past that, that starting five is, is awesome. I mean, everyone agrees right. with that. But 
But then once you get past that starting five, it, it, it starts to get a little thin. And it kind of <laughs> – I just wonder if they have the depth – you know, if they, if they have, you know, knock on wood, some injury or something during the season, did, I don't know that Boston's going to have the depth of, of a team that's going to be able to to withstand a, a, a long run uh, in the postseason. At least, you know, they, they still have some building to do. But um, Right. Well, they're going to gonna me, definitely the need one of their, some of their young guys to come through, like, you know, Marcus Smart and Rozier. One of those guys, both of those guys, yeah. really, are going to have to have big years for them. I mean, they're not – they're not kind of like the – well, Marcus Smart was in the rotation and Rozier played, right. but, you know, it was kind of toward the end of the rotation. Well, he's going to be in the middle of the rotation now. <laughs> so he's going to have to play. Smart's going to have to play. You know, I, I don't think they want to play Tatum and they're going to try to avoid playing Tatum a ton of minutes early. Uh, but they did sign Aaron Baines, too. I think he's going to be a big part of that, what they do coming off the bench. But you're right. I mean, it's not – you know, their, their depth will be tested. They're, you know, yeah. their, their bench will be tested. The starting five, like you said, is, is as good as anybody's uh, in the league. But after that, yeah, I mean, they, those guys are going to have to, you know, that haven't, haven't played big minutes, again, other than Smart, there's going to be a couple guys that are going to play much bigger minutes and bigger roles this year. By the way, Marcus Smart, longest tenured player on the Boston Celtics. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. At 23. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I know you guys would probably feel like you uh you, you fell down a rabbit hole in the in the hot tub time machine when I start reading off the names on the Cavaliers roster to you. Derek Rose, D Wade, yeah. Jose Calderon, Jeff Green. I mean, is this the strangest compilation of talent you can think of to put around LeBron James in two thousand seventeen? And and the weird thing for me for both you guys is I like the Cavs roster. I, I actually <laughs> like this. I, I know it sounds nutty, but I think LeBron, with this kind of crew, is at his most dangerous because he gets to play into LeBron slash Magic Johnson, you know, like when he likes mm-hmm. to facilitate and, and freelance on defense. I mean, I love what they've done around him, which I didn't think I would do when I first heard about Kyrie one out. And, I, D.A., I know you know all about Kyrie's request to be traded and the fact mm-hmm. that it was that it stayed under covers for so long before it actually hit, you know, the internet. Yeah. But just yeah. that whole dynamic of what they have around LeBron, do you like it? And and maybe tell me what you think about how this all went down for Cleveland. No, I actually agree with you, Seiko. I, I like it a lot, actually. Um, the only question I have is, is D. Rose. And not. I think D. Rose can still play. But mm-hmm. as we all know, when you watch LeBron, you know, to maximize his strength, you got to surround him with catch-and-shoot guys to me mm-hmm. because he's going to find the open guy every play. He's going to make the right pass every time. He's going to, find, he's going to pass it to the guy in, in his shooting motion. He's never, he's never high or low with the pass. Pass always right on the guy's hands in his pocket. Right. And so to me, a guy like D. Rose, that's not what he does. We all know he's not a, a catch-and-shoot guy. He has to have the ball in his hands to be effective and – I'm not sure that's the best use of him and LeBron together. So we'll see on that one. But everything else, look, he wrote, look, Dwayne Wade, whatever he has left, it, it gets maximized playing with, with LeBron. He knows how to yes. play off of LeBron. He knows how to cut off of LeBron. Dwayne has been an effective guy his whole career moving without the ball. Um, he's not a guy that has to pound the ball to, to score. Um, so I, I, he'll be fine. You know, if it, uh, it, it, We've all, since, you know, 2010, LeBron, the bench is always old guys that LeBron likes. 
You know, whether it was Mike Miller in Miami <laughs> or Shane Battier or James Jones or, you know, and then last year they tried Derek Williams and Aaron Williams, you know, so so from that standpoint, now it's Calderon and, and D. Rose. And, so from that standpoint, old guys playing with LeBron always seems to work. It doesn't seem to be a problem. So I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to actually have a little bit more versatility because I think out of necessity now, they'll have to go to more small ball lineups, um, which means more LeBron at the four, which is what I like. I think that's his best position. So yep. from that standpoint, yeah, I still, again, I still think Cleveland's better than Boston. I still think they have a better team than Boston. Um, I agree. The, I agree. the margin for error is much smaller now. Boston's a lot closer. But I still think Cleveland's better because of LeBron. Someone texted me yesterday and had said, uh, let me read this. Is it just me or is the D-Wade acquisition overblown? He's been in a steady decline the last three years. Do you think he can help the Cavs get competitive again? I thought losing Kyrie is going to hurt more than having Isaiah will help. And I just responded, they have LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get- exactly. Is 23 still on the roster? Then they're good. Yeah. Fine. yeah. Get competitive again. Like, I didn't realize yeah, they had fallen off the face of the planet over the summer. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're, I'm pretty sure we were all in Cleveland for the finals again, weren't we? <laughs> yep. You, you got to stay off Twitter, Lamb. I'm telling you, these people are going to ruin you. <laughs> what, about, what about the second tier in the Eastern Conference? In the West, that first group is stacked. You know, you got yeah. five, six teams, yeah. you know, right there after Golden State. In the East, man, it's Cleveland, it's Boston. Is Toronto the Wizards? Are they are they legitimately positioned to challenge either one of those two teams for one of those top two spots? I I like Toronto. I say I'm a big CJ Miles guy. I think he's a guy that really can help a team because of his ability to stretch the floor now. So I thought that was a really good pickup for them. And again, that allows them to go more small ball, which is what the league is now. Um, you have to have a good small ball lineup. So I I, I like Toronto. I think continuity is important, and both Toronto and Washington have continuity, at least in their starting group, and that's important. So they should be fine if they – but the problem with not adding to your talent base, especially in the case of the Wizards, I just don't think they did a whole lot in terms of adding to their talent base. They kept it. They, they, paid what yeah. they, they did what they had to do to keep out of Porter, but um, they're one, you know, one injury, and I think they're in trouble, in a lot of trouble. And it's any one of those guys, whether it's Wall, Beal, or Porter, if they lose any one of those guys, they're in trouble. You know? So those guys have to stay healthy relatively for a second straight year, and that's not normal in the NBA, that your core guys that play the most minutes get through two straight years without injuries. And so, so right. from the Wizards standpoint, that's what concerns me about them because I just don't, you know, I just don't think their bench is that good. Um, and I don't think the moves they made in terms of adding to their bench really are going to help them. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe Jody Meeks is going to be healthy for the first time in four years, but <laughs> the track record's not very good. Uh, I think Milwaukee is in the discussion, you know, because they'll get Parker back uh, right. to add to that group. I still think Milwaukee doesn't have enough shooting, mm-hmm. but they can trade for shooting, and I, I'm surprised they didn't make a deal in the offseason season with all the bigs that they have to trade for somebody that could help stretch the floor for them a little bit. So, but I do think Milwaukee has to be considered as a potential team as well. I, I like Miami in there too. I, I feel like Miami's okay. a, you know, a team that after that, you know, they started off so terrible, but that second half that they had, it feels like they kind of yeah. unlocked something and, and now they got downhill Dion waiters back and they're, they're going to be fun to watch. I think, I think they're going to be a, um, a team that we should 
probably include in that that tier, whatever that we're going to call that yeah. tier. Yeah, I, I got my fingers crossed for Philly, and I know it's a pipe dream right now, but I just want them to make some noise this year. Like, I need I need Joel Embiid to stay healthy, you know, yeah. for at least sixty five games. <laughs> And I and I need to see Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz play together. Actually, like I need yeah. I need all of the theory of the process to actually get on the floor at some point for a consistent amount of time. But I'm I'm going to ask you both this question, and it's been bugging me. When the summer started, I said, you know, I want somebody to show the courage, you know, to go after the the top teams in the East or West. And it seemed like the Western Conference teams answered the bell. I mean, Oklahoma City summer, Carmelo. Paul George, Russ, I mean, that's going after the the top of the conference and, and not being worried about what comes next year or the year after. That's like we're going for this now. I don't I don't want to indict the front office people in the Eastern Conference, but I feel like a lot of people in the East kind of said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna let Cleveland play out the stream. We're gonna let LeBron tie herself out and then we'll go at you know, and then we'll go after him. There wasn't this aggressive approach to me from a lot of these teams in the East. And that's disappointing because I think the East is wide open after those top two teams. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was surprising that, you know, a team like Detroit that, you know, kind of hasn't really done what I think they expected to do the last two years, wasn't more aggressive or, or wasn't able. I'm, I'm sure they were aggressive. They were shopping. Drummond, they were shopping. Drummond and like Reggie, yeah. Yeah, but they didn't get anything done. Um, I thought a team like that maybe could do something. You know, Charlotte made the trade for Dwight Howard, and I think that's going to help them, actually. I do, I do think Dwight's a good fit for the way they play, but that was about it for them. They didn't really do a whole lot else. Yeah, you're right. And, and again, the Wizards did not really, you know, again, they, they, they signed Jody Meeks. They, signed, they made a trade for Tim Frazier. But to me, that's, that, I just don't know that that's going to be good enough. Um, yeah. I wanted to see them really – aggressively make a move. Maybe that would involve trading Gortat or trading, you know, I don't know if they could trade Mahimi, but Gortat I think would have had some value this summer. You know, to get another real good piece that they could put either in as a starter or coming off the bench that could really help them, and they didn't do it. So, yeah, no, I agree with you, uh, Sekou. I, I, I think the East was very docile compared to the West, which was really aggressive. You know, Houston, OKC certainly, um, you know, Denver getting Millsap, you know, I, I liked a lot of the moves that, that teams made out West to really, you know, not give in to Golden State's inevitability and to really say, hey, you know, we're going to try to compete with them. Um, and, and maybe we'll see next summer. Maybe it's, you know, with all the free agents that are out there, maybe the teams in the East will, will be more aggressive. I mean, you mentioned Miami. Certainly, I think they have a, they can very easily create a lot of cap room uh, with the moves that they've made. And uh, I expect that they'll be all in on one of these free agents next summer. Yeah. Uh, I want to just, just saying. I'm just saying, going after Murray Spates does not yeah. change no, the, the DNA of your team. Is like some of these teams. It's like, come on, man! Like, show me something. Show show me that you show me that you're at least going to be aggressive. And I I felt like the West, the, the teams in the West, starting with Houston. And Daryl Moore, yeah. they they looked at it and said, you know, we're not going to lay down for the Warriors. Like we're not going to let them trample us to the finals right. four or five years in a row. Like we're going to try and fight this. And in the East, it looked like everybody was like, you know what? Let's just wait till that big gorilla, you know, <laughs> leaves the scene in Cleveland and gives us a chance to compete because we cannot deal with that six thousand pound gorilla in Cleveland. LeBron, listen, LeBron, 
to go to seven straight finals, right? And and to bully the league, or at least the East, the way he has, to me, it's yeah. been remarkable. I cannot fathom Da and Lang, LeBron leaving the East for the West. Everybody talks all these rumors. Why would you leave? Why would you leave? Well, you got the East in your in the palm of your hand. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what though? Like I, we've talked about this on here on the podcast a lot, Sick. Like in the NBA, you either want to be really good or really bad. You don't want to be in the middle. You know that that's yeah. the dangerous place. That's the the sunken zone or whatever it is. Like that's you don't want to get in the middle because then, place. yeah, then you then you then you don't. There's nowhere. There's no path really from the middle unless you go down or up. So uh, that's why to me, Orlando or a team like the Pacers, like. What exactly is is the plan there? Like, where where are they going with with this? You know, you have Paul George and you, you trade him for a couple of guys who are okay, but are you going to have a franchise guy or a transformative guy uh, unless you do the route the Hawks seem to be doing right now, which or, or the Bulls, where you kind of bottom out and, and have to go find a, a new franchise guy? Yeah, no, I mean Indiana. That you know. That was an. It's always going to be to me an odd trade. I mean, I just didn't. I'm not. You know, it to me it didn't achieve what you have to achieve when you trade a great player, which is you got to get a, either get another great player back or you got to get a draft pick, a really high draft yeah. pick. I don't care which yeah. one you get, but you got to get one of those things, right? Yeah. So I mean, Cleveland no traded question. Kyrie Irving, but they got a lottery pick out of it. I, so that makes some sense, you know. I mean, it. it but yeah, I mean, I didn't. I wasn't crazy about the Jimmy Butler trade, you know, because they didn't get another pick back. Um, they should have got another pick from, from Minnesota. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't know what – the Indy thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me just because you didn't achieve what you had to achieve if you're going to trade away your best player, which yeah. is I got to get a pick back or another or a great player in return. Even if it's a younger player, I don't care. But mm-hmm. all due respect to Victor Oladipo, who I like, I think he's a good player, <laughs> but I don't think anybody thinks he's a great player. No, he's a great singer. I don't know if he's a great player. <laughs> I, I did hear his. I did hear his, uh, his song the other day. I was like, okay, Victor Oladipo. I, I, I got to take a listen to it. I heard it was pretty good, actually. So. Man, yeah. I, w- I was impressed. Like he's a better singer than any of these NBA players are, other than Damian Lillard, a rapper. I'll give yeah. him right, that. Right. Like Walter McCarty got a future singing. <laughs> Don't diss Walter McCarty. No, exactly. Right, you're right. You're right. <laughs> D- DA, I'm, I'm, I'm always in love with the start of a season. You know, when everybody mm-hmm. thinks they got a chance, and they yeah, <laughs> we got a chance to be good this year. This might be the year we turn it around. Is yeah. there is there a team in the East that you look at and say nobody is is paying attention to the fact that these dudes are, are poised for a monster season or, or for a monster turnaround. In the West, you know, you look around and you think, okay, Minnesota has put together the pieces that gives them an opportunity. Who in the East do you think has a chance to surprise us or to shock us? Oof. Well, boy, nobody. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, nobody really jumps out. I mean, I do think, I think, uh, I think Philly has a chance to, you know, get back mm-hmm. to the playoffs, certainly. Um, I right. think they have a chance to be pretty good. I, I like all the moves that they made in the off season, uh, including the, the trade. Obviously, to move up to get Fultz. If they think Fultz is that good, then yeah, you go up and get him. Yeah. So I like that. Reddick's going to help them. I think Amir Johnson's going to help them. So they have a chance, I think, to make a move. Now I don't know that it's going to be a massive move toward 50 wins, but I do think mm-hmm. that they 
you know, could be a, a playoff team. Certainly should be, you know, uh, anywhere from uh, six to eight Eastern Conference playoff team. Like I said, I like what I like the trade for Dwight Howard for Charlotte. I think, you know, that team has always kind of been a defense first team under Steve Clifford. Their defense mm-hmm. has slipped the last couple of years. I think Dwight, if Dwight can do one thing, I think it's defensively he can still have an impact on games with his ability to rebound um, and at least alter shots. So I like what they did. I think Batum's got to have a big year for them. I think he's yeah. capable of it. He's capable mm-hmm. of playing at a better level than he did last year. Um, so those two teams. And, again, I still think Milwaukee has a chance to really kind of be a top-four team um, yeah. if everything breaks right. And I do think they need to make one more trade. But, remember, they, had, they, they didn't have Middleton at the start of last season. They do now. I mean, that's, that, he's big for them. And they get Parker back, and, which is also yeah. big for them. So I think they're going to – it will not surprise me at all if Milwaukee winds up a top-four team in the East this year. Yeah. I want to um, just real quick. I want to say, uh, the, you know, we we cover the league and we get to know these guys. And there's a guy I'm rooting for. I don't know if he's going to make the roster or not in Philly. Mecca Okafor. Yeah. Um, How about that? Who's been How about that? He's been gone the last three years, and I I don't I've never talked about it on here. He, the last three years, he's been rehabbing this injury, and he's he's living ten blocks down the street from me. And I've right. gotten to know him and his family really well. His daughter's about the same age as my son, so we go to birthday parties together and see each other. And, right. and uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to make the roster or not, but um, I know he's worked his butt off the last couple of years, and I'm glad to see him uh, having a shot at it. So. Right. I'm I just, think that I'm be kind of guy was good in that locker room, too. didn't tell us he was doing that. You know, you could have <laughs> dropped a dime to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I know Lang has been – he's mentioned it to me several times, like, you know, seeing them – you know, the, the league is in a strange place right now. Uh, Josh Childress is back trying yeah, to make, yeah. you know, the Nuggets roster. Uh, again, he got mad at, he got, Josh got mad at me on Twitter last night because I said it's been 20 years since he was at Stanford. And he, <laughs> 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 but look, these guys have been in the years. Do you talk about Dwight and some of these guys and how long they've been in the league? Yeah. They they are going kicking and screaming that generation like they do not want to go away and give give the platform to these younger guys. It's it's a weird time right now, watching those sorts of players cycle out and other guys come in. Yeah, it ain't the platform. It's that it's that paper that guys. I was keeping these guys in the game. What they make a what? Let me get back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, you know, and, and I like. I like this season in that, to me, the Ky- and I was talking with somebody about this, with an agent about this last night. We're, we're talking about is the gulf between, seven-year gulf between Dwight, you know, LeBron, these guys who are 32, 31, 32 years old, and guys Kyrie's age, this, you know, these 25 and, and unders. Is it that great, the, the difference in time, like the, the notion that Kyrie and guys his age – don't revere LeBron. Like you heard media day, LeBron called Kyrie kid, what, like 11 times when he was talking about him? Uh-huh. I tried everything I could for that kid, and I told that kid, and it's, uh-huh. and like it was cringeworthy, like hearing him keep calling him kid. It's like, man, you're 32 and he's 25. Both of y'all are young enough to be my sons. Like, right, right. I, I just wonder if that gulf is, is more pronounced now than it has been in the past between the guys who are LeBron's generation and, and potentially, I guess, that next generation, which 
Kyrie would technically be a part of. It's these damn millennials. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I don't think it, it, you don't you don't hear young guys. To your point, you know the younger guys, even the guys younger than Kyrie. Mm-hmm. You don't hear a lot of them. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe it's I don't hear them because I'm old now. But I, you you don't hear them talk about LeBron in that kind of reverential way. Yeah. That, Guys talk about Kobe. Like Kobe was my dude. You know, he was, I had his yes. poster in my room, and I wanted to be like Kobe when I was growing up. You know, right? You don't you don't hear that about LeBron, and I think part of that is rooted in the way LeBron plays. You know, LeBron has never been a high flyer. He can do it, yeah. But he's never been a guy. You know, he's never been that guy that every night. Is capable, it, you know, scores 40 and, and has three highlight reel dunks. And, you know, a lot of LeBron's game is really kind of fundamental, kind of grounded, in, you know, being yeah. on the ground and, and making the right play, the right pass, the right cut, you know. And so he never has had, he's had some games like that where he just, where he just beasts it on people, but that's not really like, you think about like what? What do you think about when you think of LeBron? I mean, I think about passing. That's what I yeah. think about. You know, yeah. <laughs> like a great—he's a great passer. You know, and that I think that's kind of where that divide comes in, where mm-hmm. the young guys just don't think of him on that level. They just don't think of him in that kind of reverential way. Yeah, because it's weird. We argue all the time, lying about well, you know, who's better between LeBron. In, in Jordan, and and I see young kids always going, what about Kobe? Like, wait a minute, how are you going to leave Kobe yeah. out? And I'm like, what? But it's it's just a strange dynamic to me that there hasn't been more of a – they don't genuflect to LeBron the way you would think they would. Right. You know, like I remember when no. Jordan was in the league, I used to be surprised when dudes would even look – you know, like would even look cross-eyed at Jordan. Like, we'll go they, you know, Yeah, we'll actually yeah. go Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, well, LeBron that was intimidation. He intimidated so many people. Right, yeah. right. Like LeBron hasn't had that effect at this stage of his career, Lang, which is strange to me because I thought it would be like that right now for LeBron. Well, but think of like who has gone at LeBron other than Lance Stevenson? Maybe like I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't Desha- hear Deshaun. Is the Stevensons love going at him? Deshaun Stevenson, <laughs> Lance Stevenson. Right, right, I mean, right. but other than those guys, you don't really hear. I don't remember hearing someone saying, oh, "I, I got, I got LeBron. I'll, I'll go at him." Um, yeah. You know, those, those. I think there's a level of respect. It's also that don't know what you got till it's gone thing. I think it's mm-hmm. you know that's why you don't once he's here and he's playing, we we don't think about him in the same terms as once he's gone, and then you th- then you realize what you, what you're missing. Um, and I think that you know probably his legacy is going to just continue to grow while he's gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm one, I'm wondering what what changes to now with D Wade in Cleveland, if they can legitimately challenge the Warriors, which I I don't want to I don't want to start speculating, but I still don't think they got it, what it takes to to beat the Warriors in a seven game series. But even mm-hmm. but let's say for the sake of hy- hypotheticals and the conversation that that they get back to the finals and find a way to win. What how much does his legacy change with? With another title in Cleveland or another title, period, um, with with D Wade in tow, you know, doing it again. Like I don't know what more he could build. He to me, he'd have to win three more championships for it to dramatically yeah. change his legacy. Because to me, right now, he's he's done 
everything you could have hoped for. Obviously, could have won some more finals, but some pretty damn good players standing in the way of that. Um, mm. But but just in in terms of legacy, I don't know what else he could do. But what well, about look, not even... look the, the line the line's five, right? I mean, you got to win five. Yeah. To, yeah. Either to equal Kobe and to equal Tim Duncan, and he's got three. So to me, if he wins two more, then he's on that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about it, like not even winning those? T- what if he goes to the finals three more years in a row? That's or just, something. Like I mean, that. and that's just ignorant. That's just ignorant. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know? Nothing. I've never seen nothing like it. Yeah. Well, it would be but, more, I mean, certainly, obviously, we, have, we wouldn't have seen that since you know the Russell Celtics. So, um, yeah. in that, from that alone, he would, I think, go up even further on the, in the pantheon. But I do think, to Seku's point, I do think he probably needs to win at least one more. You know, to, you know, three is uh, look, three is more than, more than ninety-seven percent of all the guys that ever played in the league. <laughs> right. But, but if you're like he like he said, I'm chasing a ghost. But the ghost got six, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you got to at least get close to the ghost to be in that conversation. Three is not yeah. close. So I think yeah. he's got to get at least one more championship, and really probably two more to really be able to say, look, I'm as good as anybody who ever played this game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that we get to still talk about LeBron knock on wood without any hiccups. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I was going through some old boxes, and I, I pulled out that SI where he was on the cover. First time he'd ever made the cover of SI when he was in high school. Chosen and I thought, how, yeah, and I thought, how many guys have not necessarily that level of hype, but how many guys have been the next big thing? And you can look, you know, look back 15, 16, 17 years later and say, yo, he actually, like, lived up to the hype. And I don't mean just in basketball. I mean in any sport. Yeah. Right. You know. I mean, you I know, like we had. Yeah. No, I mean, the only, only I think, kind of comparable guy um, in in our, in this generation would be like Bryce Harper, right? I mean, that's kind of like, he oh. was kind of anointed at 16 as being the next great big thing. And he's, he's you know, been pretty good. You know, he hadn't won a championship yet, but he's been pretty good. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, LeBron is is on that short list of guys that actually sort of did live up to the hype, no doubt. We had so many guys at Slam when I was at Slam Magazine that we would you know celebrate when they were in high school, and you would say, "Oh, this is the next big guy." This is, and there's guys you know, Stephon Marbury, Sebastian Telfair, who maybe don't win the titles, but made a lot of money and had a long career in the NBA. And you know, I, right. it's hard for me, it's hard for me to ever look at those guys and say that they they didn't succeed because they're set for life and they their families are good and all that but for to your point yeah lebron has not only been successful um financially and he's he's got three titles he's going to the finals every year you know he's changed the way the expectations for an off-court um you know path these guys can have and taking ownership Mm. of these different projects It, it i think lebron is i don't know if we'll ever see somebody be able to sort of match what he's been able to accomplish from having the eye on you at, at such a young age. So the, the only guy I thought that I came up with when I was kind of looking at it and kind of just thinking, running through my head was Tiger Woods and Tigers had such yeah. a crash and burn stretch now yeah. that I think we forget. Wasn't, wasn't he on like Johnny Carson when he was four? Yeah. yeah. Like my Doug, my golf tricks or whatever. Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Like just some craziness. Like, yeah. um, yeah. But but no, he clearly crashed and burned. And, 
Yeah, and and t- but but look, before the crash and burn, he he did live up to the hype. Now he was yeah. cooking. Yeah, I mean, he there's was no that question. Dude for about ten years now, <laughs> <laughs> he was cooking. He was like global icon status. Um, yeah, but but dominating on you know dominant on in the yes. tour on the tour. Yes. Okay, I, I mean, got just one. Think about all the dudes that he ran out that was supposed to be. You know, Sergio Garcia just finally won his first major. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Tiger ain't been on the course really for about six years now, you know. Right. So right. How about David Duval? I mean, all them dudes that Tiger just ran <laughs> off, out of golf. Like, you just don't play golf no more. <laughs> how about uh, someone else we've been watching for a long time and, and has uh, Serena Williams? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. she's another one. Yeah. Serena's on that yeah. list, yeah. It's a yeah, very no yeah. doubt. Think about it though. It's a very short list of of true superstar dominant athletes who get it right. Like I think to me that's more of LeBron's legacy even than the championships he's won in the NBA. As he's yeah. gonna go down as kind of a game changing superstar athlete. Like it, it, he ushered in a different era. Um, you know, the first true social media superstar mm-hmm. athlete mm-hmm. that we saw ride that wave to the very top and, and, and right. crush it. Um, so I, again, I appreciate, uh, I'm, I'm appreciating the different parts of his game and, and his whole persona as he gets older. I, I, I love the fact that the dude like two days after the finals was back in the gym, like clowning, like getting ready for the next season. He, he handled this much better than he handled that first, that finals loss to uh, the Mavericks when he went and hiding for like, a month and nobody saw him and he was, you know, doing the zero dark 30 whole thing. I mean, I, nah. I appreciate his resilience this time around. Yeah. But, it, you know, again, DA, and we appreciate your time. Uh, David Aldridge, the Hall of Famer, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. We'll get you out of here and, and let you get back to your day. But I, I, I really think th- this season and next have to be the last two where we get this collision course with the Cavs in the Warriors because I think some fresh blood has to get injected into this thing in the next couple of seasons in order for it not to become kind of blase, like, oh, you know, LeBron on this side, the Warriors on that no. side. Like, we really do need somebody to 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 throw a monkey wrench into that thing and upset the order um, in order to keep it spicy. Like, I don't know how many more times I can watch the Warriors punch the Cavaliers in the face in the finals. Like, I don't well, want to keep watching Well, that. I was going to say, what, what, what you need – is for the Cavaliers to beat them. Uh, you know that's what that's what that's what would get the rivalry kind of back on even even footing. I mean, we could. Yeah. I think all of us would say right now, Golden State certainly has the better of it because even even when they, I mean, they were up three one when they lost. Yes. And, you know, Draymond Draymond doesn't get suspended. They probably close that out too. So you would be talking about three straight over Cleveland. Um, but yeah, no, Cleveland's got to beat them again. And if they did, yeah. now you're talking about a real rivalry. That's a, I'm gonna, you know, I go back. I love looking at cuz I love looking at old NFL tapes cuz you know the the game now is with the concussions and everything. You just feel like right, right. it's not it's not the same. When I when we were kids growing up and I just you know, I'm a I'm a Redskins fan. I'm a Washington fan and I just love watching old games when they played the Cowboys cuz you forget all the great games that they had over the years and regular seasons just with, oh, yeah, remember when Dallas came back and they were down, you know, 23-3? to 3? Oh, remember when the Redskins beat them bad here and they won on a field goal at the end? 
there's been so many. What what it makes a real rivalry is that both teams keep beating each other. It's not like it's thirty-one yeah. to four. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, every yeah. year one of them beats the other one, and that's what makes a great rivalry because it's not neither side dominates it, and so that's why Golden uh, Cleveland's got to they got to break through and, and win again in order to um, to keep the rivalry going. Because I agree, if Golden State beats them four-one again this year. I think a lot of people, it's going to start feeling like the Buffalo Bills. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> people are going yes. to start saying, come on, man, let's get somebody else in here and take a shot at these guys. Well, I, I'm going to I'm gonna be that guy and just p- point out, to just remember that first half of the, the Spurs-Warriors game one. <laughs> don't, don't forget about the way the Spurs might be the one to answer this rivalry question and be the ones to, to, to change things up. Maybe. So. I never I – just... Never forget the Borg. The Borg is always there. <laughs> Ready to assimilate. <laughs> no question. David Aldridge joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. DA, we always appreciate your time, man. Uh, we'll see you down the road here. Guys, thank you so much for having me, man. You know I love doing the show anytime. No doubt. DA, thanks, yeah. thanks man. Well, Lang, from one Hall of Famer to a future Virginia Tech smart guy Hall of Famer, we go from David Aldridge to our main man, John Schumann, in this week's Schumann stat. Fellas. At least you didn't call him a hokey. <laughs> well, I've called him a lot of other names. Shoo, I've called you a lot of other things. A hokey is not one of them. I'm a hokey forever, though, so I don't mind that one. <laughs> Can we have Best a moment of silence? Clemson this week. Can we have yeah, a moment exactly. of silence for, uh, for our friends down in Waco, Texas at uh, Magnolia Homes? And fixer upper oh. going off the air. Listen, we haven't uh, talked about this. Broke the my show heart did. the other day when I saw that. I was disgusted. <laughs> oh man! I'm canceling HGTV off my uh, off my plan. I'm, I'm calling up Directv and saying, "Listen, take it off the. T- I don't even want to see it anymore." There's only one more season of episodes for me to watch ten times. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's gonna be rough. You got, the Property Brothers are gonna have their heart broken, Seku, if you man, stop I don't watching e- them. Uh, I'm I'm done. I'm done with HGTV. I'm serious. Yeah. If JoJo Gaines is no longer on the airwaves, I got no use for you. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm 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 a diehard. What's up, Shu? What do you got stat wise this week? What do you got for us, sir? All right. So last last week we had a trivia question about uh, Western Conference teams making the conference finals. So same question for mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference this year, uh, this week. Um, so I'll skip the first part. The Hornets are the only team Eastern Conference team that's never made the conference finals that was a fairly uh-huh. simple one so what of the other 14 eastern conference teams which one has the longest drought in regard to making the conference finals which team has gotten the longest without making the conference final how can i cheat here let me see oh did i say that a lot my bad um <laughs> let's see and then this their drought. drought is like 21 years longer than any other team in the eastern conference wow Milwaukee as as making the conference finals. No, Bucks were in the. No, uh, Bucks made it with uh, Ray Allen and uh, Big Dog. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. What about Bucks and Sixers tied for the third longest since 2001? They both made it 2001. Haven't been there since. Right. I'm looking at this. Let's see. Conference finals. Conference finals. Yeah. Hmm. When's the last time the Washington Wizards made the conference? Yeah. 1979. Wow. Wow. So almost on going on forty years. Uh, well, if it the wasn't, Wizards made the conference finals. If it wasn't for twenty sixteen, then the Hawks would have been uh, 
<laughs> they'd never been. So that would have been yeah. <laughs> since 1958. So yeah, the Hawks. Yeah, Hawks was a long drought until 2015. So it's Bucks 1979, then the Knicks 2000, mm. and then uh, Bucks and Sixers 2001. Wow. The uh, you know what's weird is I, droughts in the Eastern Conference. I look. I was looking at the list of teams. I you you almost totally forget that the New Jersey Nets went. Yeah. When Jason Kidd was rocking, I mean, like the Nets, it hasn't been as long for them as it has for the Wizards. Wow. Or the Nets. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Nets, the, I mean, it's 2002, crazy. 2003, right? So yeah, back to back have, years. It's like they've been there more recently than the Knicks, the Wizards, the Bucks, yeah, uh, and the Sixers. They're not, and the Nets not only the Nets not only went, they won it two, yeah. <laughs> two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I'm saying the scary part about it is that, like, if you asked a, a 14, 15 year old kid, that you know they haven't. They don't have a recollection of certain teams being as competitive as they might have been in our lifetimes or in our times covering the league. Right. You know, that, it would make no sense to them. Like, I know kids who think the Warriors have been good forever, you know, because they've been good in the in the last six years or five years that they've actually <laughs> been paying attention to basketball. So it's just strange to me. It's just weird. I mean, I, that's, that's what you need the Schumann staff for, perspective. Like, you have to <laughs> – Hey John, yeah, I, I mean, got a question. Let's continue after that. I mean, they won series in oh oh four, oh six, oh seven. So they, I mean, they didn't, you know, didn't stop right there when they got when after getting to the finals those two years too. I got a question for you, John. Since you and I are the New York New Yorkers here, um, I'm 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 having to do the Atlantic Division preview for NBA.com. Which team do you think finishes higher this season, the Nets or the Knicks? It's tough. It's, I mean, because they're both so different than they were last year. It's hard to just sort of take last year and project, you know, because the Nets lost Lopez, but we'll have, you know, you'll assume Jeremy Lin will be healthier, and then they brought in some more perimeter talent in, in Russell and Crabb and yeah, um, Damari Carroll. So it's tough. And then Knicks, obviously, losing Carmelo is a it changes them completely. I don't know if it makes them better or worse because or you know like for them it, it's all about like if they have a point guard that can get Porzingis the ball in in spots where he can score, you know, like get him good shots basically. And I don't know, you know, enough about Frank uh Tilikina uh to tell you if 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 he's going to be making like he's a rookie, you know, it's hard to see him making a real positive impact. Um, so that's tough. Like, I don't know. Like I have, I think a top eight that's fairly solid. And I think, um, Philadelphia probably is the, 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 I would have a ninth. And then after that, it's a, it's a big mess of, you know, Knicks, Nets, Pacers, Bulls, Magic, Hawks, like who knows, like with those teams, they've all changed so much, you know, Mm -hmm. Chicago, uh, Atlanta and Indiana all lost all stars. So like, you know, they're all. Who knows? Like they, they're all there's such you know uncertainness with all te- all those uncertainty with all those all those teams. I figured that if if they didn't trade Carmelo and they went into the season with him, that the Knicks would probably be a little better than the Nets. And you know neither team was gonna really sniff the playoffs, but I figured the Knicks would be a little better. But now without Melo, like I I think the the Nets might end up being better than the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lopez was such a is was obviously their best player last year. The yeah. one thing with them is like they were awful in regard to turnovers, and that was because in part because Lynn was hurt 
and they were they yeah. basically had like Isaiah Whitehead and and Sean Kilpatrick playing point guard. You know, right. Isaiah Whitehead, a, a rookie second round pick, and Kilpatrick, a guy who's not a point guard whatsoever, um, playing point guard. And so they were awful in regard to turnovers. And so, like, if they can cut down on certain, like, take a serious chunk out of their turnover ratio, that only that not only helps them offensively, but it also helps them defensively too, because then they're not, you know, you know, allowing so many transition opportunities or whatever. So, for me, that's the key for them is just like cut down on turnovers and and you can and then because they I think I think I like what Atkinson. The system he has, I like the the space that he has mm-hmm. on offense and defensively. They sort of forced the right kind of shots. It's just they didn't, they weren't defending in the half court nearly as as much as they should have been. I think so, they ended up leading the league in pace last year, right? They, yeah, they played really yeah. fast, and yeah. like he wants to continue to do that. Um, it obviously hurt them more than it helped them last year. Um, we'll see this year. You know, I'm curious to see Russell in that system if, if he's going to attack the basket more. Um, with all the space that he'll have, because that's the one thing I, I I didn't like about him as a point guard. He didn't get to the basket very much. Um, yeah. You know, he's more of an east-west point guard, whereas Jeremy Lin's more of a north-south point guard who's going to get to the basket, get to the line. I think you're fine if you're New York, if you just plan on the the hope and dream that Porzingis is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. the superstar. But I like the nuts and bolts of the Nets better this season, like in terms of just they got some nice, grimy young guys who compete. And You're just gonna, saying that because they got Karis LeVert. Well, I was going to mention one Karis LeVert, baby. Um, <laughs> you can never go wrong with it. I like LeVert. A, in fact, I'm higher on Karis LeVert than I am on, like, D'Angelo Russell with that team. I really like LeVert last year. I, I thought, do, too. He saw a lot of potential. He can he can make plays. He can shoot. Um, he's got length, so he can he can – uh, you know, eventually be a positive defender. Um, I like him a lot. Like I'm, I'm, I, if I'm, you know, as, as an observer of that team, I'm, I'm more interested or more uh, excited about his future than than Russell's. Really, like uh, Russell, I think is we don't really know yet. Whereas Levert, I think you saw, you've seen more positive signs from him um, last year than than anybody on Brooklyn. Really, any of their young guys. I yeah. like Karis and, and I but, like Kitty Atkinson too. But let me—I I like Karis Levert, but he's still behind Gerald on my all-time Levert power rankings. <laughs> you got issues, man. <laughs> I still You're well, I have Casanova now. <laughs> I, got, I still have—I have Paul Millsap ahead of Ronnie on my Millsap power rankings. So. We got—you know—that's one thing we got to do: a, 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 a last name power ranking for <laughs> that crosses between sports and other areas. That that would be that would be interesting. We yeah. put that file that one away for a later date. There's a there was a Levert album called The Big Throwdown. So I'm trying to get yes. Iron Eagle, you know, to when Karen Karis Levert dunks, you know, go with oh Levert with the Big Throwdown instead of <laughs> he goes with the the Levertical, which is not bad. It's not bad, yeah. but I like. You know, you got to go with the, the, the big throwdown because that was a, a, an album with uh, Gerald Levert and I guess two of his brothers were in Levert. Yes, the yeah. Levert. Yeah. Well, actually, one dude, one dude was not a was brother. A, I think one was a cousin. Was or a something, he was right? like a cousin. Yeah. Uh, uh, so like it was an after seven type thing. One, one, two brothers yeah. and a cousin. <laughs> yeah, it was like Tony, 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 except they weren't really brothers. You know what, Shu? You're you're R and B. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Comprehension Humans, and appreciation yeah, is damn impressive. 
His eighties, nineties R and B. His eighties and nineties. Uh, he's. You know who he's right up there with. You know who's stats and nineties R and B. That's all I got in this head. You and Ohm are like my two favorite <laughs> outliers. Like dudes, you would not expect to be down with eighties and nineties R and B, and y'all are like, y'all are locked in. I love it. I love it. We uh, when John and I had to uh, travel to D.C. a couple years ago together, we, we had to we rented a car and drove down and back. And uh, John brought his iPod, and we just listened to Big Pun. I think the whole time. So. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to see his old high school yearbook and see if there's a picture in there of him dressed <laughs> up like a, you know, a member of of profile or one of those. You know, uh, I, didn't really get, I didn't really get into the R&B until I went to college and I got one of those Columbia House, you know, things where you, have, yeah. you buy like 13 CDs for, for yes, one cent I used to love like Columbia that. House, you know, baby. That's when I really started getting into it. You know Schumann yeah. had a Gumby haircut back then. Oh, and had a had a Kwame outfit in his closet, I guarantee <laughs> Kwame Brown? I did yeah, have nah. some loud, loud, like big polo like uh you know long sleeve polo shirts in the in the 90s midnight some really nice. loud ones so yeah, yeah man sure. have that you're going to make a, you're going to make us get the research staff to start digging up new jersey high school yearbooks and virginia tech uh you know footage from back in the day man we might see what we can find uh <laughs> we appreciate you as always man um enjoy the the preseason and uh the, the games cranking up this weekend and we'll talk to you next week all right, fellas, go Hokies. All right, shoot. Later. Thanks, man. Like, that's funny. Uh, shoe and Ohm, shout out to our man Ohm, making the making the move. Another bicoastal yeah. guy going from the from the big city to the to the west coast to uh, to keep keep his finger on the pulse of the Los Angeles Lakers and all the craziness that's going on with the Lakers. Which Dennis Scott and I are going to be doing um, real training camp live. Fueled by Gatorade um, from Lakers practice today, later today, and from the Golden State Warriors practice on Friday. So check it out on Facebook. You can see your boys on their lane cutting cutting the fool, uh, acting up a little bit from uh, practice for the Lakers at that new facility and then with the Warriors tomorrow. We'll see if we can't trick somebody into saying something that goes viral. And I saw that Lakers got that new facility. I, I wonder the old facility, what becomes of that? I think they should – Give it to Echo Fox. Oh, to become the, the training facility for <laughs> since Rick had some of his greatest moments at that facility. I was gonna say he's probably left a lot of his uh his Rick's greatest hits on the floor at that old practice facility. Uh <laughs> you know what the what the weird thing is, I think and I know we're speaking out of turn here since we're not regular watchers, but I think the Greenleaf like mm-hmm. season finale or something. Something ha- it was the number one because, trending thing on Twitter last yeah, night. Yeah, I don't I know what was happening. Night. But I saw it was trending on Twitter last night, and I was like, oh, something must it be going It was something on. like the Greenleaf season two finesse, something. Um, hmm. Because I saw where Rick was, he was involved in some of the tweeting and all that stuff that was going on. So shout out to our man, Rick Fox, as always. Uh, I spoke to him the other day. and uh, Did you? Okay, yeah. Best. yeah. Podcast brother. I haven't talked to him in a minute, but we are, we're always keeping an eye on him, seeing what he's up to. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a reunion here. In the near future, we'll all get back, get back on here and crack a few jokes and laugh about some road trips or something. Um, as long as we, as long as we can make fun of Rick, <laughs> that, that takes what three seconds to get that started. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, shout out to David Aldrich, our main man, the Hall of Famer, TNT and NBA TV. Joining us this week on the Hang Time Podcast. John Schumann, as always, with the Schumann stat. Appreciate his perspective and his R&B wares. Make sure you subscribe <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a glowing review. You, you know, you appreciate all of Lang's keen insights and uh, his cooking tips on GQ. By the way, you, you normally you write about food on GQ. The other day you were writing like all about video games. Like you, you just go off on whatever tangent you want to now. Huh? I go where they pay me, man. I go. <laughs> <laughs> Got that right. Uh, make sure you come back next week. We'll have our fantasy draft special. A real waiting in the deep weeds for me since I don't know nothing about fantasy basketball. Um, I only keep up with the real stuff. But we appreciate you, and we'll see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.